0: Okay folks, so here's the show. Heroes and howlers, and the rest is history. My name's Mikey Robbins. I'm a bit of a history nerd, but my mate Paul Wilson... Hi everybody. Paul's a proper historian, all the way from Oxford. Sure. Thank you, Mikey.
1: Okay, it's about those weird bits of history, the bizarre twists of fate, yes. the cock-ups actually make the <laughs> stuff-ups that have made the world what it is today.
0: Hi guys, Uh, welcome to the show, and today we are talking... Hang on, before we go any further, he's a little excited because it's one of his favourite topics. It is one of my preferred
1: periods, that's true, Mikey. So we're talking about the famous Silk Road, but we're also talking about Niccolò Polo. Okay, right, Niccolò Polo, not Marco Polo. Niccolò Polo, not Marco, correct, because you see, Marco Polo, he is nothing but a a storyteller and a, a showboater. He's his, in my opinion, it's his father. His father is the visionary, the earth mover. Um, now, we're still talking about the old silk world, don't get me wrong, but the, the key of, to, of daring do and exploration is, get this name, Niccolò Polo. So basically what we've been told for 500 years is wrong yep. and you're
0: about to prove it. And I'll
1: tell you what's right. Okay, so where are we starting? We're looking at 13th century Italy and wow. Niccolò and his brother Mafio Polar, Okay, so they are Marco's father and uncle. Right now, they're fa- famous businessmen and very successful businessmen in Venice.
0: Because uh, uh, round about, yeah, you know, so you're talking the 13th century. Yeah, Venice is pretty much what New York is you know, to the modern world. That's right, or, so, or Shanghai these days. Yeah, Shanghai, more like exactly. Mm. So
1: it's the key. It's the, it owns all the trade um, in the. Eastern Mediterranean, and and a lot far, far beyond. So it's got these sort of trading colonies. You remember that episode we did on the old Fourth Crusade, Mikey? Yeah, Yeah, Constantinople. Exactly. So Venice actually is in control of Constantinople at this stage. Um, It's doing all the trade and the ports there. It's got the Black Sea. It's got the Crimea. And then on the other side, on Asia, uh, big things have been happening too because then you've got the big, massive Mongol Empire that's
0: just come out. Because round about that stage, the Mongol Empire is... uh, I, mean, I know it goes back and forward, but it's, it's it's near one of its furthest expansions west. Exactly, we're literally coast to coast by this stage, Mark, right? Yeah. So
1: it's it's sorted out everything to the Korean Peninsula on the east, and it's come all the way through Central Asia, and it's got right up um, yeah you know, to Turkey and that side mm. of Asia too. Yeah. So it's, it's probably the biggest empire the world's ever known, right? Just ask them, I'll tell you. <laughs> exactly. So the venetians though in terms of trade the venetians still are probably what we call you know top dog um, and in 12 the 1250s yeah. niccolo and mafio polo decide look in terms of business if all the business is coming out of asia we need to get a bit closer to the action so they move their hq their business hq if you like to constantinople um, in the
0: 1250s hang on you're to the 1250s i yeah. remember from our thing about the crusades yeah probably not the best time to end up going to constantinople well, that's it. <laughs> they move to Constantinople in
1: 1250, then move again right. in 1260 up to the Crimea, up to Soldaya, which, as you say, is a pretty good idea because in 1261, the Phoenicians actually get kicked out of Constantinople. The Byzantine emperors reassert their control. And they not only do they raise every Venetian business to the ground, they actually blind any. Venetian citizens—they can get the whole of.
0: Can I just point out that we are incredibly disciplined here. We have not gone for a Venetian blind joke.
1: <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay. So, in Asia, we've yep. got the Mongols. You know, um. After Genghis Khan, they've they've gone across the entire continent. Um. But they also have—they've started to split up amongst Genghis Khan's sons. Yep. Um. And against uh, his grandsons. So you know, Mikey. Yeah. And I know, <laughs> I know how much you love my maps.
0: Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, if you think of the map of Asia, yeah. So this basically means you've got. One branch of the Mongols controlling northern China, yeah. Yeah? one controlling the Mongol Central Asia steppes, uh-huh. one controlling Uzbekistan down into Persia in the Middle East, right. and then this last one, the Golden
0: Horde, in southern Russia. Quick question, mate. Sure. Golden Horde. Mm-hmm. Pretty sexy name. Mm-hmm. Are we talking horde as in hoard of treasure? Mm-hmm. Hoarders or horde yep. as in bunch of pillaging barbarians on horseback. Yeah, good question, Mikey. Okay, worth pointing out.
1: We're talking horde, H O R D as in scary nomads, but actually the English word comes right. from the old French Italian, which is order, which and that actually yeah. in, in turn comes from the the Turkic word or do, oh, which right. which is used to refer to the tents, the yurts that the nomad leaders lived in. So so when the Europeans started calling it the Golden Horde, yeah. what they were talking about was actually you know, the Golden Tent, huh. you know, which really was a, a proper, amazingly beautiful tent. Interwoven with golden thread. And yeah, and that's where the car the cons would sit to receive important visitors and dish out you know, their role commands. So when the polos get to Saldaia in, in the Crimea.
0: Ah uh, sorry, mate. One more quick thing. Go on then, make it snappy. Okay, we're talking about Niccolo and Mafio. Yeah. Marco's dad and uncle. But at this stage, Marco uh... Right, yeah, no, good point, Mikey. Um
1: yeah, all these early exploit folks, all these initial stages stages, Marco. As far as the story's concerned now, at this stage, Marco isn't even born.
0: And just so you can picture this, folks... Paul's talking about the north coast of the Black Sea. It's just above Turkey, Mm -hmm. and not far from where Putin had his Winter Olympics (laughs) in Sochi. (laughs) That's
1: right, Mikey. So when they get up there, it's the Golden Horde they're trying to make contact with who basically control what we would now call the Ukraine, southern Russia, that sort of area, Okay, But they're Mongols. They're they're Mongols, yeah, they're all Mongols, under the leadership of their own mini Khan, if you like, Berke, who is direct descendant of Genghis Khan. And his capital... I wouldn't call it a capital city because it's more like an encampment. Which is
0: what you were saying before about the tents. Precisely.
1: Nomads, you know, they can always pack it up in a night and move to the next place they want to. But their capital is Sarai. And the Polos are the first Western merchants, the first Western explorers to get an invitation to go to Sarai to become traders.
0: All right, so they've actually been invited in by Burke. Khan
1: Burke. He has invited them and he gives them a license. He gives them this autok this trading licence, to trade their way into the Mongol Empire. Now, no one's ever done that before. Okay? Right. Yeah, we, We've got lots of trade going on in the Black Sea. We've got lots of trade going on through Persia. But no Europeans before Mafio and Niccolo have been able to push that far.
0: So they're, they're as far east as any European trader has gone at this Exactly. Point. Right, gotcha.
1: And they're making, well, they've, they're trading so well that they know they're about to make a hell of a lot of money all they've got to do is get back
0: (laughs) and cash in
1: and this is quite actually quite a bit of an interesting one because there's a problem isn't it that's right so their plan is, let's go home, let's get all these goodies to market, yes. sell them off to the highest bidder, and realise that fortune that all our efforts so richly deserve. This time next year, Rodney, we'll all be millionaires. <laughs> right, but they can't, because at this time, suddenly all hell breaks loose between Burke and one of his cousins. There's a civil war going on, and then word gets out that these Byzantine emperors who are back in charge in Constantinople, they're sinking every single Venetian sho- ship that dares go past the Golden Horn. Just, just for the hell of it just for the hell of it, bit of revenge for the fourth crusade you know so they're thinking okay well maybe
0: maybe now's not a good time so, 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 to go home so, so it's like Polo, who will be marco's, marco's right, dad Marco's and, and and his brother Matthew. Matthew, yeah so they can't go back west so they say well hang on if we, if we've got the only license in
1: town why mm. don't we you know exploit it a bit more keep trading let's go east Right, so not only are they the first guys to get in with the Golden Horde, now they take their trading caravan further east and start doing business with Burke's cousin Hulagu. Hulagu. Now Hulagu. That isn't
0: a name I haven't heard of before. Okay,
1: mate. so he is the head of the Eel Khanate, which is the next division along in the Mongol Empire. You know, south of the Golden Horde, and more your sort of Persia, Central Asia, Middle East. Um, so, so.
0: Uh, but I'd be wrong in assuming that by doing this, they're establishing the Silk Road.
1: No, well that's it. So okay, so you've got to remember the Silk Road is not a Mongol invention. Just because they contr- they are one of the best empires on the Silk Road. Huh. But it's been a, it's been going for over a thousand years. And you've that got, long? That's right. Yeah, you go. You can go right back to the Bactrians, the Kushans, the Sogdians. You yeah, and back to Roman times. And um, they this was when this Central Asian trade network started to develop and basically the polos are tapping in to
0: that hundred uh, thousand years uh, of success so that's already been going on for ages
1: but it's now for once for one of the few times in history it's under control of one single empire the mongol empire although as i said it has been they're, they're slightly split up between sons and and grandsons but yeah, you know, they're all the same ethnicity they're all playing they're shooting the same way mm.
0: So, folks, today we're talking about Marco Polo's dad, Niccolo Polo, who yep. you, you regard as far more important than Marco, the epic traveller, and, yep. and 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 his brother Mafio, who who's, who's Marco's uncle. So it's round about. So in our 1261, 1261. And they get to as far as Bukhara, Samarkand, in
1: you know, in the thirteenth century, probably one of the most important trading markets in the world. Yeah, Bukhara and Samarkand. Um, yeah, you've got everything there. You've got spices, you've got silk, of course. No, no, you, um, well, you,
0: you say that, you know, that they go there, but they, they stay there for a bit.
1: Well, that's it. So they're there for three years. So they've, they're cashing it. Well, they're trying to cash in all this money again. They're doing some more trade. They're finding more stuff that they can, t- can take home. Except now... Yeah. Not only can they not go home, they're not allowed to go home because Hulagu says, Well, hang on, if you're here, <laughs> there's
0: someone I want you to meet. Oh, and I'm, that, let me guess. <laughs> he's, he's going to have a last name Khan. Exactly. Another Khan, Mr. Kublai Khan. His Which one? We right? from, from high school, it's the guy in, who z- built Xanadu. Xanadu
1: right? to Kublai Khan, a pleasure, mm, at yeah. decree. Exactly. So yeah. he says, Look, I need an embassy to go to, to, to the heart of the Mongol Empire, northern China, Mongolia. Yeah. And you know these embassies—they always trying a bit of one-upmanship. If you could go on my behalf, you know that would look pretty flash. And you know I'll make sure you're all right with a bit of trade on the way home. So they head off in 1266. In 1266, they keep on going east. So they've been the first in the Ilkhanate. They've been the first with the Golden Horde, and now they are the first Western explorers to get to Beijing. Well. So, as it's called then, Dadu or Khan Balik, yeah, which is Kublai Khan's winter capital. Yeah, they are... Yeah, and don't forget, this is the Mongols we're talking about, mate. Yeah, a lot of people say, oh, Marco Polo went to China. At this time, we're talking about the Mongol China China's completely separate. It's The Song Dynasty is in charge of China down in the south, what's uh, it, now Shanghai. It's Hangzhou. a very
0: small part of, of the country we now right. know as China. But for these guys, it's all about going to the Mongols. It's all about going to the
1: heart of the Mongol Empire.
0: Now, if I remember correctly from like my high school poetry and stuff, Kublai Khan, he was a great man of culture. That's right. And he is... Very, very impressed. Yeah, so these guys arrive. Father Niccolo and Uncle Mafio at Kublai Khan's court, and he he's
1: delighted. Yeah, because his mum is actually a Nestorian Christian, which oh, really? a lot of people do Yeah, so he's got Buddhists in his court, he's got Muslims in his court, he's got Christ- Nestorian Christians. So he's fascinated to see Niccolo and Mafio Polo, and he gives he makes them his ambassadors. He says, yeah, I'll give you... He gives them Mongol titles. Right. Yeah, he welcomes them into his court. He gives them positions of power.
0: Dare I say, so it's like the third eastern capital that these guys have charmed. That's right, exactly, yeah. And he makes them
1: ambassadors. They tell him about the Pope. He says, I'm really interested to find more about the Pope. As we all are. (laughs) Let me give you... I'm going to give you the Piazza de résistance, this thing called the Piazza, which is the golden tablet. Now, this golden tablet right, literally was a tablet made of gold. And if you carried it, nothing could ever go wrong while you were in the Mongol Empire. They say that, you know, a virgin could walk from one end of the Mongol Empire to the other with a pot of gold on her head and everything would arrive, arrive intact. Yeah, As so long as you have this, this passport, basically.
0: It's the ultimate Mongol get out of jail free card. That's right. So he said, look, I want you to go back.
1: You know, you are the great epic explorers. You are the great travellers. You know, don't, don't get me wrong. A couple of missionaries have been to China before. They weren't the first ever Europeans. But these guys
0: really made an impression.
1: are the guys, the first guys to make any money out of it as well, yeah. you know, um, and to, to be a success. And he sends them back. He says, go and see the Pope and ask him to. I've heard about this. Church of the Holy Sepulchre and the Holy Oil can bring me some of that, bring me back some, yeah, the best monks to to debate and talk with my Buddhist counsellors and they can decide whose religion is better than the other. Oh, cool. Yeah, that kind of thing. So, sure enough, off they go, back west, they go and see Helagu, they get all their, their goods and they get back to Venice. 1269, 1270, we're not quite sure. Um, yeah, you've got two years travelling through the mountains, the deserts. This enormous Great Victorian caravan. And they come back to Venice and they are heroes. They've got... Uh, their coats are, are sewn with gems. Um, they've got riches, you know, coming out of... Yeah, yeah,
0: fair enough. In fact, do not they get the
1: nickname Il Milione? That's right, yeah, the Polos become the Il Milione family. They have their own courthouse, the Il Milione courthouse, which Marco, later on, you know, quite happily taps into. But yeah, it's these guys, they're the first ever um, Europeans and they're the ones who really do make their mark. But when they get back, they give their wives all their riches and Niccolò's... Wife gives him Marco. Marco, because all those time ago, back, go back to the 1250s when they went back to yeah. Constantinople with their first business HQ, the night before, obviously, he gave her more than just a kiss goodnight.
0: So he comes home, and Marco's probably what, 18, 19 years Se- old? 17 he's years, 17 years old. 17 I'm years old. Just doing the maths yeah, in my head. Yeah, exactly. I left out the gestation period.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so, so Marco yeah, is this kid who's 17, and so. The dad and the uncle say, well, look, you know, we've just become the richest guys in Venice. We've just become the most successful explorers and travelers of all time. They have a bit of a rest, put their feet up for a couple Uh. of years and they go, you know what, let's do it all again. And this time Uh. they take Marco.
0: So Marco Polo's great voyage of discovery. Yeah, I'm going to make an, an, an analogy here. Is no more than that time my dad would take me on a business trip to Maitland. <laughs> he basically just tags along with his dad and his uncle. Exactly. And we know this is true because even Marco himself, yeah. in his great book, The Travels,
1: yeah, I'm not saying he didn't write The travel. I'm not saying he didn't go anywhere. Well, he dictates
0: um, The Travels, but we'll get to that. Yeah,
1: he's, he's, yeah, he's, um, yeah there's, there was always an argument about 10, 15 years ago about, yeah, you know, did Marco Polo go to China? Yeah, of course he travelled, but what my point is, all he was doing was going as the sidekick to dad and the uncle, you know, and he even tells us that in the travels, the sort of prologue, the first 20 pages are all about what, how great his
0: uh, dad and uncle were. But then he skips on down and, and then pretends it's all the rest of It's all about him. So, so the first 24, but then the next hundreds of pages are just him. Because how long ago was he was was he away for? Right, okay, so they went away that second trip and ended up lasting 24 years,
1: okay? Right. um, right. But, you know, they were together the whole time. So Marco tells great stories about, you know, how he was in charge of Burma and how he went down here in China and da-da-da-da. To be fair, most of them, you know, give or take... The odd traveller's tale, tall tale. Most of them seem to stack up. Um, yeah, you know, he talks about unicorns, but they, they reckon that was probably the Rhino s- smart smart s- rhino, exactly. You know and and, and the, the,
0: so the guys with the with the dog's heads and the guys who had a foot as an umbrella. Yeah, that's probably not true. Yeah,
1: some of it okay, yeah. Look, we'll take it with a pinch of salt, but yeah, we, we can we can trust him for the most part. And also, of course, you've got to remember, although we say they're Marco Polo's travels, he didn't necessarily write every word.
0: I'm just trying to think. So he, he's gone for 24 years. So around about, around about 12.95, he's heading back.
1: Right, okay. And he's come back. Yeah. And when they've all come back, obviously, like you say, they're the Il Milione's now. Yeah. They're, they're the big wigs, And they're some of the richest people in Venice. So when they come back, they are asked by the... Do you remember the old blind doge? Oh, the he? doge of... De- oh, Dandolo, yeah. Dandolo, the yeah. doge of Venice, yeah. Gee,
0: he turns up in a lot of stories, doesn't he, that doge? <laughs> so the Venetian
1: doge, they say, look, okay, can you be in charge of one of our naval battleships? Because, yeah, you got so much money, you got so yeah. much power. So um, when it came to all the the, the many wars that Venice... Was fighting usually against Genoa, but whoever it was, the Polos would take out their warship, and and they'd be part of the part of the Venetian military command, part of the navy. But unfortunately, yeah, you took you. They've come back in 1295.
0: Hey, I, I know this bit of the story. Isn't yeah. this where Marco
1: gets captured? Exactly. So not long after they've come back, there's this battle. We're not hundred percent sure, but it's probably the battle of Cazolo on the Dalmatian you know, Croatian coast. Genoa wins, and some of the Venetian Ships, including Marco's, get captured, and he gets made a prisoner.
0: Now I'm going to guess: if you're Marco Polo, you just don't go to prison like anyone else.
1: That's right. Now he wasn't chucked in some dodgy dungeon. You know, it wasn't wasn't bad losing the battle, as long as you were one of the on um, the Richies. Because what basically what would happen is you'd be put up. In a nice house back in Genoa, um, because of course they wanted a ransom to, to get your ransom, you see. So, th- so there he was, he was given a nice house in Genoa under house arrest, and he's stuck there uh, twiddling his thumbs, and who's in there as well, but another captured. Let's call it aristocrat. It who's the romantic bard Rusticello. Um, oh, he that, was he was basically like one of the most famous poets of his day. Well, that's it. He'd been writing ballads and bards, you know, about uh, courtly love yeah. and uh, Edward the First in
0: England, all this kind of. In fact, thing. a little bit saucy for his time. Yeah, he,
1: he was. He 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 liked to push the button. Um, and he said so he says to, him, well, hang on, if we're stuck here all this time, you sound like you have got a few
0: stories. Why don't you tell them to me? And I'll see if I can turn them into one of the best-selling books in history.
1: Book a prize, eat your heart out. So Marco sends for his notes. Um, and that's what I mean. You we know, were talking about in prison. He was able to send to his note yeah. for his notes in Venice and bring some food while you're there. I, don't, I believe that it's not what we call hard time. No, exactly. Yeah. yeah, And so the two of them, they're in there for about, about a year. And over that time, Marco tells the stories and he writes them down. Um, and, yeah, we think that he'll, he'll probably embellish. embellish a little uh, bit. That's, with the, it up. that's where the, with the guys with the, the feet for umbrellas comes from. But... As we said before, if we pay proper attention to the first 20 pages. Uh,
0: the bits he tries to skip over. <laughs> yeah,
1: if we read them for the information they're really telling us, we can see that even Marco himself admits that none of his story, none of the travels would ever have happened if it hadn't been for his dad, Niccolo, and those previous journeys to open up Central Asia and the rest of Asia to the West and, you know, and carry out the first ever trading mission to China. Good. Well, I'm
0: glad you said that, Paulie, (laughs) because I've got a bit of a beef with Marco, too. There's always that story that he was the guy that brought noodles back from China. Exactly. Which is how the Italians got spaghetti, right? Right. Except it's not true. Oh. In fact, uh, uh, archaeologists uh, only recently um, in in the Tuscan region found uh, cooking utensils and various sort of grains Mm. that showed that uh, the Italians were eating something we'd recognise as pasta, a sort of early fettuccine round about the birth of Christ. Oh, right. But the thing is, too, they weren't eating it with forks because forks didn't come until the 14th century. Right. They are actually eating it with long sticks. Ah. So it's amazing to think that simultaneously in Europe and in China, noodles and chopsticks were invented.
1: Okay, folks, so there you have him, Niccolo Polo, the greatest land explorer in European history. And Marco? Marco mate was just an acolyte, the typical attention seeking, headline grubbing young son. Little more than a glorified groupie. So there you go, folks. Any questions? Please drop us a line. Hashtag the rest is hist. Any little morsels you might know about spaghetti or uh, uh, actually
0: yeah uh, any, 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 any actually bring any
1: noodles, bring, bring them in. In fact, just bring noodles. <laughs> all right. Drop us a line on all your social media using the handle
0: at and the rest is hissed. And the rest is hist, And you can find all that stuff in the show notes.
1: Okay, and if you like the podcast, don't forget to like, subscribe and comment, you know, whichever platforms you usually use to listen to your podcasts. All right, enough of me, Mikey. Your turn next episode. And the
0: boys in the studio tell me you're on home turf. I'm the host, Paul. (laughs) A story that in many ways has helped shape Australian folklore. Mm -hmm. It's the catalogue of stuff-ups and unlucky breaks that went down in our history as the Burke and Will story Mm. and their famous dig tree. (laughs) Right, and be warned, folks, it It doesn't doesn't end well. well. (laughs)